0: Welcome back to Money with Mac and G. Thanks for being here. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast. It's been an interesting couple of weeks. And one of the biggest stories is the passing of the queen on September 8th. It brought back a lot of memories for me. Sometimes those memories are just hidden. And the next thing you know, bam, I see a picture of some beautiful sunset. And I remember being on safari or I smell stinky blue cheese. And it brings me back to a restaurant in Paris. Or I see the majesty of the royal family and I'm thinking of London and trying to remember to look right so I don't get hit by a car. So the flood of memories came back. I had the pleasure of learning about the British who are very different from us, but at the same time very similar too. I heard it more than once when speaking of the U.S. and the U.K. that we are two countries divided by a common language. I broke my foot four weeks ago and had to wear a boot for it to heal. That's the word for the trunk of a car there. Boot. Funny name, which goes back to the 18th century when horse-drawn carriages were in play. The coachman sat on the chest which stored items, including his own boots, So the storage space was then referred to as the boot locker or just boot as things changed and cars were used. The bonnet is the hood of a car because it covers the engine and it's an old French word they picked up, which means the cloth used as a headdress. So it covers the head like the bonnet covers an engine. Okay, that was the bee's knees. But... I was there for a handful of years, 20 or so years ago. Queen Elizabeth II turned 75 when I was there, and the Queen Mum passed away in 2002 at the ripe old age of 101. She was deeply loved. Believe it or not, I was her next-door neighbor, living in an apartment a couple blocks from Windsor Castle, which was totally cool. The years I spent there were very interesting. Money and the cost of things were especially interesting to me as always. Gas was expensive and still is at about $7.50 a gallon there. I lived with my buddy Robo in Wapping, which was located on the Thames in London. Yes, Wapping. Fun to say, right? Wapping, Wapping, Wapping. Anyway, it was an apartment, which is called a flat over there. But he owned it. He also had a 99-year lease. What? Huh? He owned the flat, but had a lease, which I believe was for the land the building was on. It was with all the other flat owners in the building. How did that arrangement happen? Great question. And it's confusing for me, so I'm not going to go and try to explain it. But from what I've heard, there are about 4.6 million leasehold dwellings in London, which is about 19% of English housing. I guess things just keep being carried on from year to year, decade to decade, and so on, which is very much like the monarchy. My buddy Robo loved real estate, so I got a lot of information on the market when I was there. It was insane. When I lived in London, it was rated as the most expensive place to live in all of Europe. The weather was worse than it had been in over 30 years, which meant tons more rain than normal. And nobody, and I mean nobody, would ever say it's a culinary delight for its bangers and mash, tripe, fish and chips, and pasties, which are like hot pockets filled with lots of different stuff. But the people made up for it. So if we talk about real estate, under their legal system, the monarch, who is now King Charles III, is the head of state. It's said that he owns the superior interest in all land in England, Wales, and Northern Ireland. It's a little like a catch-all, and only really matters if a property becomes ownerless. But get this, the royal family, per Forbes, owns about $28 billion worth of real estate. Most of it is in something called the Crown Estate, which is a structure to hold ownership to different assets. It's valued at over $19 billion. The Crown Estate has about 680,000 acres of land, which is behind their Forestry Department at 2.2 million acres and the Ministry of Defense at 1.1 million. So that's a lot of money, right? Prince William, who is the son of Princess Diana and King Charles III, just inherited the Duchy of Cornwall Estate, which is 140,000 acres, mostly in southwest London, and worth over $1 billion. It's just passing down the wealth, as it's always been done, to the Prince of Wales, who is now William, to provide him with a little bit of income to live on. So there is a lot of money flying around. There were over 61 monarchs extending over 1,200 years. So that's a long time. But to put the money into a bit of perspective, Bill Gates is worth over $100 billion. And it took less than 100 years, along with Bezos over 150 and Elon trying to get up there to 300. Weird stuff, right? Okay, I had to look for some information about the queen that I didn't know. We were just talking about money. So let's start there. We knew she was worth a lot, and there are different estimates, but she doesn't own everything you see. The crown jewels are part of that crown estate we spoke about, but you can't sell them. You just get to use them in ceremonies. The crown jewels are priceless and are a collection of royal ceremonial objects like crowns, swords, scepters, robes, rings, and lots of other stuff with about um, a mere 24,000 precious stones. Yikes! The Nizam of Hyderabad necklace, which was a wedding gift to Elizabeth, may be the most valuable, around $75 million. It is all beautiful and more spectacular in person if you get to see them at the Tower of London, which is a historic castle on the Thames with a long history of weapons, money, prisoners, and much more. Anyway, there are several estimates of what the Queen was worth. I like the $500 million number, nice and round and big. However, it's estimated that the author J.K. Rowling, who wrote Harry Potter, is estimated to be wealthier than she was. Very interesting. But besides the Queen's assets, she also gets a sovereign grant from the UK Treasury to fulfill her duties which is about $57 million last year. Plus, the Duchy of Lancaster also provides money to the sovereign to live on, and she got $27 million last year from that. So she gets around $100 million, well, not quite, let's say $84 million, but a lot goes to upkeep, travel, and more. But the family wealth is a closely held secret. I never knew about that 84 million dollars. Anyway, who is going to benefit from this all? Let's just say it's good to be the king. King Charles III gets to inherit a lot of stuff. Now, I like to talk about money and taxes, and he gets to do this tax-free. Yes, tax-free. Our general rules in the U.S. require paying taxes when you have more than 12 million dollars when you try to hand it down to your family which is called inheritance. It's done by the U.S. government, but there are also some states who also have a tax that they add on to that. Wow, you die and pay more. So the scene should actually be that there are only three things you can count on in life. Taxes, death, and more taxes. It's good to be the king, because he doesn't pay any inheritance tax, even though in the UK you pay about 40% over $380,000. U.S. That would be somewhere around $200 million in taxes alone for the queen. Yikes. So, the new king seems to be the real winner, and he also gets the sovereign grant from the UK treasury and the income from the Duchy of Lancaster. Can you say $84 million? Yeah, baby. Okay, here's something you may not know. The queen did like to have an alcoholic drink daily. In one article, it was a glass of champagne at night. In another, it was gin before lunch, then wine with her meal, and then a dry martini and a glass of champagne every evening. Wow. The pub scene was quite active when I was there, and I would love to learn more about the money involved in the UK. But let's just say I found one website that showed Brits drink more and get drunk more than any country on the planet. Everyone had to have their neighborhood pub called a local, and mine was the Blackbeard. Talk about another money story, that's one. Here's an interesting note about the queen. She used her handbag to signal to the staff. She would switch from one arm to the other when she wanted someone to interrupt the conversation she was having. If you can continue to talk about her fashion, she often wore these magnificently bright or even neon outfits. Supposedly, she did that so people could actually see her from far distances. So if she was at a magnificent large gathering, people could point her out. That's kind of cool. She was only about five foot three, and I got a chance to see Prince Charles play polo one time, and he received a participation trophy from her. She was about 25 feet away, and I'll confirm it, she was small. I can see how those bright outfits would have helped. Okay, here are a couple quick facts. The queen didn't need a passport to travel. Hmm, that's a benefit of being the queen. Nor a license plate on her car. That's kind of strange, huh? Here's another interesting fact. She celebrated two birthdays. Her actual birthday is on April 21st, but they celebrate her birthday on the second Saturday in June. It's much warmer to have parades and celebrations in the summer. And King George II started that in 1748, and it just caught on. Maybe I should move mine too. Well, she was a beloved queen and woman who loved corgi dogs. The world will definitely miss her. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next time for more Money with Mac and G. Bye!